FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 262 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. Yeah, buddy. I'm your host, Jason Venable. You may not remember my voice, but I'm back. <laughs> I'm joined once again, of course, by Georgie V. And all the way from the Intercomics podcast, Dan Cole. Hey guys. Hello. Oh, wow. That was spooky. <laughs> Instead of two people, it sounded like one phantasm. Y'all didn't combine into one ghost, did you? Okay. No, not really. <laughs> Cricket. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, we actually have a lot to talk about besides the books. So we decided to institute a... Uh, a speed round for the books. Well, we're going to do the books first. So if you want the really good stuff, you got to wait around uh, to get to the, the fantastic Mickey Fox and all that other stuff. So, um, Hey, Jason. Yeah. One quick idea. Kind of like a first note. You should do like a quick like guitar rift and then insert like speed. <laughs> I will see if I have time. <laughs> that is a good idea. Maybe I'll just lift one from somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure I can rip it off of the uh, uh, the old Bill and Ted's riff. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> Wild stallions. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh man. Oh. So um. Ow! What was that noise? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. One of you guys is decomposing. <laughs> oh. But um. Yeah, so anyway, we'll run through the books and then we'll talk about some uh, rumors and or entertainment news that all involve the letter X to some degree. So, um, but right, that'll be after the books. You gotta listen to us slog through this crap first. Sorry. <laughs> Earmuffs. <laughs> Alright, so I'm gonna pull up the handy dandy timer. So let me go over the rules for the audience. So you can play along at home. Um, everyone will have uh, five minutes. If they want the full five minutes, I probably won't need it. But, um, anyway, there's five minutes available for a synopsis. That will include the credits and letting everyone say one sentence about the cover after it's described. And then after the synopsis is over, whoever doesn't do the book will have two minutes to offer other thoughts on the book and then we'll all grade it and move on sound good let's do it all right and then we'll talk about some fun stuff after that (laughs) right oh he doesn't he doesn't like rules (laughs) here's your ball there you go all right so starting off with weapon x number 10 will be georgie georgie you are on the clock Oh, man. It's loading up. Hold on. Oh, pressure. Pressure. (laughs) I can pause. I can give the mechanical systems time to catch up. I got to scroll back to the start. Uh Uh-oh. Going back to the start. Does anyone... What band? Razor Light. Does anyone remember... Or did anybody ever listen to Razor Light? (laughs) I don't know what that is. I think they're from your neck of the woods, Dan. They kind of came out at the same time as Arctic Monkeys, but then no one really listened to them. <laughs> they were like the, the band that didn't quite make it when Arctic Monkeys broke. But they had a couple of good albums. Yeah, yeah, Razor Light. Yeah, all these famous fellows dating Emma Thompson. Is Emma Thompson oh, there? really? Emma, uh, I didn't know that. Hermione, Hermione. Yes. <laughs> that's not Emma That's a different Emma, right? Yeah, that's a different Emma altogether. <laughs> uh, Emma Watson, right? Yeah. yeah. Thompson's like 50 years old. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah. An upgrade, is what I'd say. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. So, starting off with Weapon X, uh, number 10. All right, um, clock is resuming. 
Clock is resuming. All right, so uh, we have Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti as the writers, Mark Borstel and Ibram Robertson as the artist, Frank Diarmada as colorist, letterer, letterer is VC's Joe Caramagna, and cover artist is Stonehouse. He's a stone house. So what do you guys think of this, this cover? We have Weapon H facing his quote-unquote maker with the back sort of faded out to a dystopia. I don't understand um, why his head is white. Like, what's with all yeah. like the you know, afterlife going to heaven thing going on in the corner there? I don't know. I don't like the cover. That's my, that's my sentence. Oh, Denise says the uh, Jessica Alba looks like uh, Tilda Swinton. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right, so cover's kind of, I think it looks, I mean, it's, it's pretty, but it doesn't really make any sense what's going on inside. Ben? I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen one tiny person face down a home You've seen them all. Right. Oh, so. This story is all about Weapon H and Dr. Alba on one end and uh, Weapon X trying to track them on the other like some terrible Eiffel Tower. And, um, oof, that joke just, just went crickets. Okay. So, <laughs> I didn't get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a little X-rated, so. Oh, okay. Um, oh, 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 okay. You mean the sex move. Yes, exactly. Okay, all right. Well, in that case, let me laugh heartily. <laughs> uh, so basically, we have Weapon X and the cyborg body of William T. Stryker on one end, trying to track down who Weapon H is. And on the other end, we have Weapon H and Dr. Alba uh, trying to just destroy stuff. She's trying to take control, and he doesn't want to. He's fighting back, and at the end, she's like, we have to destroy this whole city. And he goes to destroy the city. X is just digging through paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end, uh, we get Weapon H punching a giant clawed hole through our Wolverine. And oh no, is she dead? To be continued. (laughs) Um, So basically, the artwork is, when it's on par with all the previous artwork, it's kind of bland, actually not very good. The story uh, just felt like I was treading water. Um, I think I'd give this a two out of six. All right. With two minutes to spare. All right, Dan, you want to go next? Um, what about Weapon, Weapon X? Um, well, I, I, I agree with Georgie, to be honest. It's just, I feel like it's, it was years ago since we read Weapon X number one and liked it. Um, <laughs> just, it's just... It, it, it's just, uh, it's just so boring. <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest thing. That's yeah, and it's just this whole that's controlling, that's not controlling. Is he? Isn't he? Oh look, he keeps killing things. Oh look, he sort of shows remorse. It's kind of like just get on with it. Give him his own book so we can ignore it, and it can just be cancelled after five issues. <laughs> just, <you know. laughs> Sounds good. All right, what's your rating, Dan? I'm gonna go. In... Yeah, low two out of uh, low two out of six. Okay, fair enough. I thought the art was, you know, like Georgie said, pretty much matches what we've been getting out of the book, just kind of there. Um, I don't, not quite as many ugly faces until that one scene where Weapon H sees the crowd and everyone's wearing oh yeah weird like hospital gown clothes. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, I don't even understand this guy's tank top. But um, anyway, um, rather than that, I thought the art was just kind of there. Um, we get a little bit of kind of the team interplay, but Laura doesn't really get to do much. Um, nope. Honestly, I kinda just, it kind of just made me sleepy. Um, I'll give it... Uh, yeah, I'll go with you guys. Two out of six claws. At least this time, Domino and... Um flying guy got to speak a few sentences yeah, yeah. <laughs> all 
Yes, oh. they did. That was the, that was your original five minutes running out. Oh, okay. Perfect. Sorry, I mean, I thought I stopped it, but I guess I didn't. Oh, all right. Oh, any any closing sentences? We can have one sentence each if you want it, or we can move on to the next book. New story arc. Oh, go ahead. A new story arc is my closing statement, please. Mm. I hate to break it to you, but the next story arc involves the character Nuke. This does not excite me at all. Why? <laughs> Legacy. That's all I'm Yay. <laughs> all right. Well, with that in mind, I am going to sprint through three issues of Mojo Worldwide. We have X-Men Gold, number 14, X-Men Blue number 14, and X-Men Gold number 15. All right, X-Men Gold number 14 is written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Mark Laming. He puts the lame and laming. Um, colors by oh. Rain Barreto. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And a cover by Dan Mora and Carlos Cabrera. X-Men Blue number 14 is brought to you by writer Colin Bunn. Art by Jorge Molina. Colors by Matt Mia and Guru Effects. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover by Arthur Adams and Peter Stegerwald. X-Men Gold number 15 is still Martin Guggenheim, unfortunately, but penciled this time by Diego Bernard. Inked by J.P. Meyer. Colors by Rain Barreto. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And cover again by Dan Moore, this time joined by Juan Fernandez. So let's talk covers real fast. We have gold, blue, gold. Uh, I like Dan Mora. In fact, I think I heard first heard his name mentioned on the old Inner Comics podcast um, a while back, and um, where he was doing some other non-big two stuff. But his uh, Marvel covers have been pretty fun. Um, this one has Magneto fighting the gold team, um, and I just enjoy it. Lots of nice black, dark colors. Uh, it's a nice touch on the bending claws as Magneto fights Old Man Logan. Um, what do you guys think of this cover? It's like it's like that um, sort of uh, dating app profile pic, which is better than what you actually get inside. <laughs> and exa- is exactly what you wanted inside the comic, but isn't there. Oh. Um, <laughs> so um, I love the cover, but unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. bad. Yeah, Georgie, any any random thoughts on the cover? Oh, totally agree. The cover is gorgeous, and I think the dating app analogy is perfect. <laughs> awesome. All right, X Men Blue. We have a giant mojo trying to eat the blue team in his mouth. It's creepy, <laughs> but I like it. It is kind of fun, to be fair. Yeah, it's like a big, like, it reminds me of like an old Jaws poster or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's maybe the best part of that book. Definitely. Um, so then back to Dan Mora, we have a green mojo holding an old console TV set with a cracked screen and the X-Men gold team on the screen. I think it's a good cover. But it, this evokes, like, sort of past X-Men covers this one for some reason. Yes. But the covers are the best thing about the free books. There you go. You can there finish you go. Review. Easily, yep. Easily. All right. So basically, in this these issues, our X Men characters continue to fight through classic X Men storylines and their different various costumes. And we find out that the people who die don't really die. Mojo's saving them in some tubes, and he wants to take over and make the real world Mojo world. Um, I don't remember what happens in which book, but that's basically it. And then at the end, our teams come together and join together to fight Mojo. They're going to go to his control center and um, take the fight to him. Uh, There's, you know, some interesting little jokes about Jimmy and old man Logan. Hey, Pops, don't call me Pops. Whatever, Sonny. Yeah. Uh, I think all that's courtesy of Guggenheim, so you can send email his way. Um, <laughs> anyway, I did not care for the art in X-Men Gold number 14 by Mark Laming. I thought it was not very good. Um, it was a treat to see Jorge Molina come back to the book. It's a shame it's this story. 
in X-Men Blue. In X-Men Gold, I thought this, uh, I'm not familiar with Diego Bernard. It was a splash of like late 90s, early 2000s to a style, but I thought it was pretty decent. So I would give, in this order, gold, blue, gold, one out of six claws, and then two and two just for the art. Oh, and I almost forgot Mojo Sucks. And there's my five minutes. <laughs> All right, Georgie, what do you got? Anything you want to add, take away, disagree with? Um, you know, this is kind of a slog to get through. I'm, I'm glad we're almost finished with it. Uh, nice covers. Um, I, you know what really got me was, like, we killed these characters, and, oh, wait, they're not really killed. Like, this, if you if you can't establish any kind of stakes, there's no reason for me to care about the story. So I, I kind of just am fed up with it. It's, it's I don't know, it's, it's twos and ones across the board. I can't even, like, pull them apart right. to remember which is which. So it's just, like, <laughs> one and a half clause for everyone. Georgie, the newest X-Men Gold has Mojo say, this time you can die. Ha ha. ha. Oh. Okay. So, you got there me, is still no, there's still no stakes. Um, you got me. <laughs> it's like, it's like, um, it felt like cramming for an exam that you had to pass just to move on to the one. The podcast that goes snicked, it's like homework. Uh, it just, I, I couldn't even I can't I, I'm just going to give it a one over the board because I just generally don't remember which goes where I just remember that people died people didn't die it just keeps going and going and going right uh, so and Kitty's annoying as hell yeah she all is. the time which is too bad one of my favorite characters I wish I had her back <laughs> I always say night night <laughs> I think he said. Th- I think that was thank you instead. But okay. Say night, 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 night. All right. See you after your nap, buddy. Uh, the Mojo story put him to sleep. <laughs> At least he's doing something good. Um. Right. Right. Okay. Well, that's uh, enough Mojo talk. Um, Dan, you ready for Astonishing oh. X-Men oh. number five? Are you back? You just, just literally just dropped out then, Jason. Um, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was weird. All right. Well, so... Oh, to me now. Yes, <laughs> on to Dan with Astonishing X-Men number five. Right, so talking about uh, storylines that never die. Um, <laughs> go on. We're still on Act 1, believe it or not, of Life of X Part Part 5. Written by Charles Soule, uh, art by Raymond Rosanis, um, colour by Nolan Woodard, uh, Feces Clayton Cowles is the letterer, and the main cover is by Rosanis and Woodard. Woodard? Woodard. There you go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So dramatic. I love love the colour of the book, and I love... The idea of an army of spiders. I despise this blue figure thing. And it's basically just Psylocke, Gambit, and Bishop doing the whole Star Wars face thing. A lot of a lot of sort of hot pink. Um, spiders and a man, which I assume is Xavier, in his psychic armor. Yes. Fighting spiders. Yes. And I'm like, well, I like the face, sis. Everyone's giving that blue steel to the guy, especially Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, what do you all think of the of the cover? I didn't like it, but I didn't care for the art. So, Georgie, yeah, it was it was kind of okay. I actually prefer the art inside the the book to the cover. Kind of, That's yeah. Fair. So, essentially, this entire book is separated into two specific narratives. We have the quote-unquote action portion, which uh, uh, shows Psylocke and Bishop and Wolverine and Gambit all either being possessed or not possessed by the Shadow King, fighting or not fighting, charging people's helmets up or not. Oh, I forgot Angel because he is literally forgettable, even though he's the cliffhanger. (laughs) Um, 
everyone's happy there's a psychic virus the very badly portrayed english defense ministry of defense superhuman crisis command center um are complaining as they do and things happen and only archangel with his now husk-like powers can uh, save the day right and um on the other flip side is what we would call or what Sewell would call character work um which is the <laughs> which is the stuff inside xavier's mind he doesn't know why he didn't save gambit he just didn't save gambit no one no one much like anyone no one cares for gambit because it's not the 90s anymore um there's some really veiled like tiny thin idea of something going on in the shadow realm um he's playing chess essentially he's talking to everyone at the same time and he's also turning like inky black and petrifying because he's evil and then he gives our, our heroes random psychic armors because Rangers. They, they have to yeah. fight and it's all is he evil isn't he evil but he's xavier so should we, we should all know he's evil and that is pretty much <laughs> the end of it there is nothing for me um this uh rosanna's art has been better elsewhere especially on Ant-Man. Uh, but the in- interior colour sure. is, is fantastic. Oh, like, I, love the, yeah. I love the colour work so much, especially Gambit's um, charges. I thought they were quite beautiful because it's been a long time since I've seen them go full-on like back, like bright colours for Gambit. It's always like, oh, make it a little bit grungier. Um, <laughs> some of the imagery is interesting, like spiders fighting armies of X-Men, uh, armies of Wolverine. Uh, that's my favourite uh, panel with the yes. armies of Storms, Colossuses and Wolverines fighting um, spiders. Uh, visually, it has no backgrounds. Um, and that really puts me off for some unknown reason. Like, there is just blank, like, void space. And for some reason, it wo- I know it's supposed to work in the astral plane, but it just, it, it just my head just can't. Because the colours works really unique on the characters. The sort of blanket one note colors in the backgrounds kind of like make it feel like you've got postcards as opposed to like sequential art and um less said about the actual plot the better because it's just not going anywhere and um some of the character interactions are just so like 90s cartoon but not like x-men 90s cartoon more like uh, ultra force 90s cartoon (laughs) so um it just doesn't it doesn't do anything for me um and we've still we're only on part five so there's what seven more to go yay so i'm giving it like it's another two it's another two because the art does have like the color work is really good it's not fair to give the book like a lower number um so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with two wow i knew i knew i'd be longer than everyone else (laughs) Georgie, are you getting arrested? Uh, no. Okay. Welcome to LA. There's just sirens all the time. <laughs> I forget it's like mid-morning for you. Yeah. All right. So, um, oh, Georgie, what do you want to what do you want to add about astonishing X-Men number five? Uh, 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 oh, I, I was gonna. I almost ruined a joke for for Thor. So never mind. No. <laughs> um, like so this is not my favorite i mean none none of the x team books are really any good this was not one of my favorites but even though um the artwork isn't up to par uh for for as dan said uh for example for ant-man i do like the change of artist inside the book it made me more pleased uh to read this not like pleased but like i was happier to see a change of artwork um my other question is we saw professor x in the afterlife in the nightcrawler book so i don't know how this all uh shadow king saved his soul really works out uh i want want a no prize um (laughs) but uh yeah i don't i don't care can this be over with already uh two out of six I think it's a partial soul. I think uh, he grabbed a like a shiver or a sliver of Professor X's psyche, and that's why he can't even in the astral plane maintain like his astral body even because he doesn't have a whole soul. Um, I don't know. It's just a little guess. Um, I did. I liked one panel. Um, I really loved the panel that Dan talked about with the army of X Men fighting the army of spiders. 
thought that looked really good. Um, otherwise, I I agree. Colors are great. Thought the pencils were just kind of okay. Um, and man, this just feels like so much filler. Um, like nothing really. Let's just kind of have a chapter because you know we're not ready to, to have part twelve yet. So um, you know, here you go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in step with two out of six claws. I'm just not really enjoying the book. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so real quick, uh, we also read Jean Grey and Iceman. Um, Georgie, any thoughts on those two books? The joy of my life. These are the books I enjoy reading for the X-Men books I enjoy reading. Um, I'm not reading Wolverine, so maybe I would include that in my, you know, enjoyable X-Men books. But, uh, Iceman is, we had the great art team back on there, um, just a lovely book I, I just want to read that over and over I kind of made the mistake of reading that first which sort of <laughs> uh, made everything else seem worse by comparison um, so that was wonderful Jean Grey I feel it's slipping a little bit um, but it's still enjoyable um, so I'd give Iceman maybe I don't know five or six out of six and Jean Grey maybe like a, a three or a four alright what do you got Danny um, well, I quite I I'd give Jane Jean probably a four. I quite enjoyed the um going back to the Morrison era. I thought it was quite a nice little um sort of caveat to the the whole storyline. Um, and I'm I'm quite looking forward to um, more um more Emma because we didn't get much Emma here. Um, right. I do I do think um. There'll be more to come, and I do hope that uh, it gets better. And I do think there was a sort of slipping quality of the artwork, but it wasn't to the detriment of the of of the book itself. Um, whereas Iceman, I just thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was just fun, and um, I, just, I just really like Hercules. I kind of just want a champion's book by Sinner. And my favorite page of all time is the meeting of the X Men when they're talking about um, putting on a film. And he's like, and uh, Grace sort of like puts um, like little sort of thought bubbles and um, over what they're actually saying with it, where everything's like, blah, oh, yeah, blah, that blah. was wonderful. Yes. And uh, um, trying to pick a movie to watch by using my leadership voice is just, just <laughs> it's, uh, it's so fun. Um, so I'm probably going to, um, and I do like sort of giant uh, monster Iceman. Um, was a great visual. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and say that maybe because the other books make this seem like a masterpiece, um, I'm going to probably give it six because you should just read it anyway. Just go and read it because you really need to read this after all of that. So, All right. I think we're going to be pretty close. Um, I would give Iceman a very high five out of six claws. I'm not quite ready to throw that six out there, but I'm pretty close. Um and yeah, Dan, that page with the colors and the pencils of, of Iceman and his giant, I guess, ice golem or whatever it is, is just a beautiful, beautiful page. Um, and just Grace's script is just is full of life and, and humor. There's a lot of good humor, but it's not a joke book either. It's just a really nice balance of, of Iceman. The, the book so much carries his personality with it that it's just a joy to read. Um, I would also agree kind of the Jean Grey. I'm still enjoying it. It's still a book I'm enjoying way more than I thought I would. This is probably my least favorite of the eight issues so far. Um, but I am interested to see how Psych War kind of plays out. Um, you know, see where we go from there. You know, we might actually kind of get you know, some kind of resolution on this whole Phoenix story. And I'm hoping that this story doesn't just get robbed by the, the whole resurrection of the old regime we have coming up. Um, That's my worry too. Yeah. But, uh, but I would give it a very solid four out of six claws as well. Hey, I I have two things I want to bring up in the Iceman book. Um, just two things I want to highlight or ask questions on. One, I want to bring up the page where he's hanging upside down like Spider-Man and then the ice <laughs> breaks and he falls down. I laughed out loud at that. That was so fun. Right? 
Yeah, I love how the book is able to balance the humor and like the heart and the action so well. Um, do you know what this this writer was doing before Iceman? This what? Sorry. Do you know what the writer was doing before Iceman? Um, God, um, I can't even remember. Is is his own work? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was all creator owned, wasn't it? Or mostly. Um, and the other thing I wanted to ask you guys on page, page number, oh boy, it's it's in the middle of a book where they have like a flashback of when Iceman met Black Widow. Yeah. Do you know, are yeah. those panels from the original meeting or, or were those recreated? Because that's like an amazing recreation if it is. I, I want to hope it was I recreated. Because I, I don't remember the first meeting, like I, I visually can't see it in my head so let's just hope it was a recreation because it was re- I thought it was a recreation rather than a because if he world. was able if the artist was able to recreate in that same like format of of like 19 I don't know what 75 or something colors and art style that is unbelievable versatility yeah I really enjoyed exactly. those panels too because it even looks like I guess a break, and I, I think I, I see where your questions come from, Georgie, because it it doesn't just look like someone doing a retro style. It actually looks like the old like Marvel House style pencils. Yeah, and you can see like the dot like coloring as yeah. well. Yeah. Huh. I don't know, but I actually haven't. You know, I'll see if it's on Marvel Unlimited when I get to that that timeline. But I've never actually read any of the old Champion stuff, so curious to see if I would enjoy it or not but I definitely enjoyed this book and I I would Dan I would be totally fine with these guys just kind of popping in maybe not every issue but you know just every now and then just be like hey we're checking in on our old buddy Iceman because Grace wrote them all really well yeah but he's just he writes everything well so far. I mean, this book is my only real exposure to him, but I love his writing style. All right. Iceman is the best. All right. Cool deal. Oh, what cool. <laughs> Sorry. Wah, wah. All right. So let's have some, let's have some fun topics. Where do y'all want it? We have three things I'd like to kind of tackle if we can before Dan has to split. Um, I guess let's go in order of most exciting. So if we do have to downsize, we will have the less interesting stuff at the end. So you guys actually brought this to my attention. I actually have not done any proper research on it. So, but there's a rumor out there that uh, Disney is looking to gobble up Fox. Um, and first of all, I just want to ask, you know, y'all first told me that a few days ago, wondering if there was any, um, further developments and then also just kind of get your thoughts on what you think that might mean or what you like for it to mean. Um, you know, we'll just let one of you guys jump in and then we can kind of round table it. Well, I think it, it died and then all of a sudden someone said it hasn't died fully yet. Like they had the buyout. But for me, all it means is maybe just maybe we'll get less in humans and, <laughs> Um, maybe they'll put, I wouldn't say more effort into the Xbox because they seem to be pushing them hard, but maybe we can have the FF. I don't really care if, if Marvel makes <laughs> X-Men or Fantastic Four movies. I'm more concerned about, well, at least I can't delete all the mutants now and <laughs> start pushing Inhumans on me. But that's all I, that's all I want. No more Inhumans. That's literally <laughs> all I want from it. <laughs> Well, I think they're kind of smarting from how poorly uh, the TV series is doing in the humans. And so that's, you know, part of the reason why they're, they're pushing more of the, um, you know, the X-Men books as well. Um, I think, you know, Inhumans could have a great book. You could have a great royal family book. Like, that's a story that is worth telling with some interesting characters. Um, if, if it's done well, right, you get the right writer on there, mm-hmm. you could... You could make that really interesting, you know, Shakespearean, Game of Thrones kind of a book. That could be fun. Um, as far as these two companies coming together, I think there's a, a few things we need to look at. Uh, one, I think 
So, have you guys heard about um, the Disney and uh, the controversy going on recently where they barred the LA Times from coming to their screenings? No. No. So, the LA Times, one branch was doing a story about Disney purchasing some sort of land for doing something sort of illegally. Disney didn't like it, so they told the LA Times that they're no longer welcome to come to the press screenings. Wow. Um, which is a dangerous precedent to set, right? Right. So, um, if Disney then buys Fox, how I mean, how big can they get before they, they own too much and then they set <laughs> rules? So, that's actually, as much as I want FF and X-Men to come under the Marvel umbrella, I don't feel like it's good for movies in general for Disney oh, to no. like 50% of everything. Right. No, it's not good for Hollywood. Um, right. Like... The rest of the world can watch on and be like, oh, well, we don't need American movies. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, um, it is not good for, for business. Uh, they're moaning so much. Like, people are complaining about, oh, they can't make an 18 Deadpool. I'm, I'm more thinking, like, well, they'll just destroy everything. <laughs> not just, like, because there's a lot of um, restorations, like, old restorations that might not come under the the banner so you might not get to see some older films get re-released so they might get lost to time like like often happens when studios buy out other studios and yeah disney having that much like impact it already has a phenomenal amount of influence as well um what's next they just buy universal <laughs> right it feels very like Microsoft, like buying the competition to make sure that your product sells rather than <laughs> trying harder. I don't know. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that's really dangerous. Um, but that being said, if we could put that aside for a minute, it would be really exciting to see Marvel get a crack at the X-Men or FF. I think, you know, I'd like to hear you guys idea of, of what sort of FF movie uh, they could do. It would be even interesting to see them do like a period piece, like a 60s FF movie. Uh, so yeah. it's still like in the universe, but like back before things really started, that would be you know, really fun. Right. Um, but the other thing is putting it all under Disney would mean we may not get a rated R Deadpool movie. We may not get another movie like Logan where you, you take a chance on a character and do something adult. It might have well, to stay within the, that isn't, the sort of... It depends on, on how they work it because it isn't fair on Disney to constantly say, oh shit, it's all going to become like Mickey Mouseified because they did own Miramax right. and they do own ABC Studios and they do allow Netflix to um, have that kind of... with their partnership. Right. But if it's all within the cinematic universe, they want that all tying together in a way that all the kids can see him all the time. So yeah, movie-wise, that might be difficult to, to have something more adult or different. Or even, I don't know if you guys are looking forward to the New Mutants movie, but it is taking a, a chance, at least, on something new and different. Right. So we wouldn't see that either. I think as... um, It would be stupid of them to but it depends on how they feel but it would be stupid of them to not to diversify because they're already clearly feeling like they need to diversify with films being released in certain ways like like Ragnarok being essentially feeling very different from um other movies it's because it's weird because they the Marvel Cinematic Universe sort of started slightly diverse and then sort of went all on brand and then have started to slightly branch out more now. So I think perhaps perhaps you wouldn't get an R-rated, but they might try and still make the X-Men universe feel different to the rest of it. I don't know. Alternatively, they just destroy those films and not release them at all. <laughs> um, so... Because yeah. it... it, it they took a chance on. They took a. Uh, I know it's still as was kid friendly, but they took a chance on like Rogue One. And when it comes to Star Wars, um, so I'm I'm hoping that Fox Wait. becomes like a Lucas film within the context of Disney, rather or, or like Marvel Studios. It, it's its own entity, and they release the X Men films, and they release this and this. It would be nice if they could, but remember, they did a lot of reshoots and re-editing and uh, like redirect. Like they replaced the director on that, and Han Solo as well. They replaced 
the director and rewrote things and brought in um, Opie from uh, and the Andy Griffith show because uh, <laughs> they wanted something that was more in line with the other Star Wars movies and that's something unique and different. So I, I don't know what their, their goals would be, but I'm kind of interested to hear what, what Jason has to say about the whole, the whole thing. I, I agree from... The real world, the real world perspective, that is just, it's too much for any one umbrella to have. Um, but I do think, and I also, I also think that it's fair points that, you know, yeah, they they do own other things that are maybe a little more edgier. But I think Georgie's point that they'd want to try to keep stuff like sequential, like so you can watch, you know, Marvel movies from A to Z. Um, they'd want the nothing to go too far off course for that. Um, and so New Logan may not have happened at Disney, which would have been a shame because by far, you know, the best appearance in Wolverine on screen so far. Um, you know, but at the same time, there is there is an excitement from seeing, you know, the Marvel Universe, like, interact together on screen like they do in the comics. So the I you know, the possibility, you know, as a fanboy of seeing, you know, Wolverine and Spider-Man in a movie together or, you know, the thing, you know, having a little stint in Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. Like, you know, as being such a huge fan of the Marvel Universe in general, there there is definitely a part of me that would love to see it unified in the somatic universe as well. You know, that it doesn't have to be, you know, this company has this and this company has that. But I do agree, though, artistically, maybe not the best option and definitely not commercially. But, but uh, yeah, there is there's a little bit of the fanboy that says, ah, wouldn't it be nice, though? I bet Hugh Jackman is like, couldn't you have done this like four years ago? Right. <laughs> I bet Hugh Jackman would uh, fun to do Right, it. right. He'd come out of retirement to do Avengers, <laughs> an Avengers film with Wolverine, for sure. Yes. Yeah. And... But, you know, but it's also interesting because we haven't... I'm not saying they need to, so don't hear me say this. I'm not saying that this is even the right choice. But they've, they've kept, other than, you know, references, like the Netflix feels pretty separate from the rest. Um, you know, the Defenders feels pretty separate from the Avengers, and, and that's probably good that way, but, you know, we're, we're not... I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it would look like to have everything really be together. Maybe that's just too much for film to try to do. Maybe that's better left for the comics, but I don't know. The real world implications are scary. The entertainment implications would have been exciting. The Netflix shows have inherently darker or more adult characters, so it kind of fits that put them aside. Right, Um, definitely. But I think the movies, they really want to put everything together is really the thought process but I was wondering like what kind of if they got FF back how would you like to see them implemented or what sort of movie would you like to see I want to see a psychedelic FF it doesn't necessarily have to be set in the 60s but I want to see like like swirling colors on the screen and and shapes and you know I want it to look Kirby-esque or even maybe like John Burns run visually um like, it doesn't have to be old, but I want it to have that almost like the kind of thing that you'd love to see at like the Alamo Draft House. <laughs> you know? And like have a good beer and, and just kind of, you know, kind of the vibe that their kind of commercials and previews have there. Um, just kind of that, I don't know, almost like a, like a Tarantino quality to the film itself, but not, not that kind of plot or script. But I don't know, just kind of an old, old looking movie, whether it's set in the past or not, I think would be really cool. I think it'd be fun just to troll people, call it FF, but have like Black Panther, Ant-Man and two other already established. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm no, no. You. Ghost Rider, <laughs> Grey Hulk, Wolverine and Spider-Man. That... <laughs> like, like, no Fantastic Four here. Not here today. I'd love to see, do you know what I'd love to see? Like a, like a, kind of like a past tale, but they're like sort of like the untold, untold first story of super superheroes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I can do, I can do that too. So like, uh, it's like, like I don't know, because it sounds like that's what they may be doing with Captain Marvel, but 
um, it'd be nice to see the FF like, and it's not that they came, they didn't, maybe they got lost in space rather than come back to Earth and they had their powers in space. And then you can tie it to the big cosmic guardians and such forth. And then they can finally arrive back at Earth victorious um, with the decapitated head of Galactus. (laughs) (laughs) Make it edgy. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, cool. All right. Well, you want to, anything else to say on that? You want to move on to the, the big bald head? I do think the comics would actually imp- uh, would would benefit from it. Yeah. <laughs> but apart from that, uh, hmm. cool, awesome. Well, so uh, Bendis is leaving Marvel for DC. Um, just want to take a second to see, you know, whether you guys felt that would be a big loss for Marvel. Um, kind of what you thought some of the reasons might be that he just needs something new to do or was there something else going on or and what you'd like to see him tackle at DC and then you know maybe just a brief comment on what your memories are of his X-Men run since he kind of steered the X-Ship for a while there so I think what's great about Bendis is he's really good at beginnings and, and new characters and a new take so uh, for example, from Miles Morales, his first, I don't know, 20 issues were great. Like, setting up the character and starting things up. I mean, his alias, uh, first alias run is amazing. His Iron Man stuff, when he had a new take, you know, a new chance to take on Iron Man, was wonderful. But you look at his Miles Morales recently, and it's been, it's been kind of, I don't know if it's poor, but sort of uninspired. Um, and so I think he needs, like something new to work with, some new clay. So it's, it's probably good for him. And I think it's good for um, Miles Morales, definitely. Um, but I, I do remember when he took over the X-Men books, and I love those books. He had yeah. Uncanny and All New, right? And the first, like, 20 issues of both of those were so fun, and the artwork was, was great. So um, it's kind of a shame because he can really uh, write he can take control of a character and make something that wasn't working work really well, but I do think he needs just like a new a new environment. So it's it's a, a shame to see him go, but um, I think it, DC's lucky to have him. Yeah. What about you, Dan? What do you think? Well, weirdly enough, I just before it broke, I've I've recently been rereading his new Avengers from the beginning. And I'm on like, because uh, I'm doing it by trade, so I'm on like, Civil War, trade five. Um, I'm about to start. Yay. Um, <laughs> and all I can think of, and there's early issues, uh, the, the like trade four wasn't particularly as strong as the last three. But like Georgie says, his, his ability to start a project, like start a group of characters off, bring them together, and or, or just bring all of the elements together, and then like throw it into a different di- direction. New Avengers feels very. Um, I don't. I didn't realize how influential it truly is. <laughs> like across the board, in in both DC and Marvel, like nearly everyone has copied that breakout book, the the first one. Like nearly every like team book I've I've read has literally copied the overall idea of that. Um, first six issues and his X-Men stuff is <sighs> after um, Morrison like <laughs> Bendis is like one of the better X-Writers of the basically last two decades <laughs> um, and it's quite it's quite alarming probably to say that but obviously this is core titles I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about uh, Peter David, because he is the best X writer of the last two X writers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think his X books were fantastic. I think the characters he created, Gold Balls, um, Triage. Um, I forget the Australian's name. I thought they were really interesting characters, and they had a lot of potential. Which obviously Marvel has decided to throw most of them under the bus unless Bendis writes them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's the other question is what's going to happen to the characters that he is working on because Gold Balls does appear in, in Miles a little bit but otherwise he's, he's disappeared my favourite my favorite thing about this whole whole um, 
uh, Bendis leaving is yeah when it was announced I was like is this April Fool's because it's a bit weird because he's like literally Mr. Marvel um, for the past like what? 20 years mm. um, but my favourite thing was holy crap someone else can write Miles someone else can write Jessica someone else <laughs> can do stuff with these characters like Miles is. Pro- I feel like Miles is in Champions but I feel like he's not allowed to actually be used right because he has a couple of lines he's kind of like Storm in uh, X-Men Gold um <laughs> He has a he has a he has a couple of lines, but I feel that's like a mandate. That's like a Bendis mandate, and it has always felt like that with certain characters. Um, like you can't have them; <laughs> they're mine. So I'm I'm really excited to see who else. Like um, I don't know if any of you have read uh, Reynolds' uh, Miles Morales book, um, the the novel. I heard it's great. Uh, it's really good. Like I, I I'm not a massive. Uh, um, I don't jump on uh, Marvel novels. But I was like, oh, I'll have a look, and it's it's it deals more with like Miles as as he's um, more about Miles than he's Spider Man, and I feel like oh my god, if they gave him the book, it would just be a completely different perspective and make it feel like it did in the first place, make it feel fresh and feel not like Spider Man, but not quite Spider Man, like it is now. And I think like he's a really good. I'm not saying that he shouldn't write Jessica Jones, but it'd be nice to see it opened up to other people and. Like open any of these characters up, and it can only be better that he doesn't have a monopoly over the three characters that that arguably um, inhabit quite a, a a big sort of spotlight in the Marvel universe, but are quite distinctly diverse. With Riri being the third and final one of his right. creations, right? So I'm really excited to see what's happening there. And if nothing else, I I read one DC book. Um, which is sort of like I would consider inside its universe, which is all new. Is it all not all new? <laughs> the new <laughs> Superman. The, the new Superman. Um, that's the only DC book I read outside of um, like Wildstorm or Doom Patrol, or I'll be reading uh, Etrigan and stuff like that. So there's only one that I actually collect. And the, the idea of Bendis coming over, I'm actually quite excited to read some Bendis DC stuff and. I'm not going to throw out the normal stuff, like, oh, he has to write a street team, or he has to write this, <laughs> or the usual, or the usual, like, someone has to write the Legion of Superheroes at some point, um, sort of, I think, even though I am, I would love a Legion book, I just don't think Bendis, there's a, there's too many characters, that, that's going to be loads of words, there'll be no art, there'll just be <laughs> more, more panels. Um, but I think it'd be great for him to, like, collect his own cast of characters like literally like like he did with the new avengers where he just scraped luke cage from somewhere decided to put a new spin on a little bit more of a a sort of spin on other elements and then grab some of the bigger names and throw them in there and like make a hodgepodge of sort of alchemy that he he's really good at so i think he should just be given his new book a new book and he should be allowed to just pick who he wants batman's in the 50 billion comics anyway so they might as well have him in Venice's book so you know because if they need to sell it just print the bat symbol on the front cover isn't it that's how it works as you can see just stamp that bat sign so I'm really looking forward to his work and I'm really looking forward to what happens to the characters that he's leaving behind because I really really am looking forward to this like sort of ability for it to be explored fully and Um, and it'll be interesting I know Jason you have a lot to, to I don't know if you have a lot, but you haven't really said anything. But just to jump in before you start, I'd love to see him write a Dick Grayson book because that has yeah, that book has not been very good for a long time. So I'd love to see him on Dick Grayson. Yeah. I want to look forward to Nightwing again, and that would definitely do the trick. Um, yeah, so I, I I kind of with you guys. I think it's a win-win. Um, you know, I'm overall a Bendis fan. I don't love everything he does, but I, I mean. From the scope of his work, I would say I like it. Um, now, if you go back and listen to old episodes during that time, you know, I gave his X-Men books pretty consistently, you know, in the four to five range. I mean, pretty much all the way down. with some sixes sprinkled in. Nothing ever really dipped too far below that. Um, his run definitely kind of peter, you know, as I think sometimes maybe he can do, kind of sputters a little bit at the end. Um, <laughs> or when he kind of gets tired of something. And I think maybe he just needs that kind of that new chance to do something new and start over and can kind of get back to being the business we all know and love. And not to say that he hasn't been because most of his books have been, you know, pretty consistent. Um, I'm still enjoying Iron Man quite a bit. Um, 
you know, it does kind of seem like some of the characters he's written forever. Not that he's running out of ideas, maybe just running out of passion a little bit. And yeah. so, so maybe this will be a good chance. And now with you guys, I think it really opens the door. Um, you know, one of the things I thought was really weird was like after, um, and I still miss this series, uh, but the most recent Power Man and Iron Fist series before it split into its two solo books. Like in the first couple of issues, Jessica Jones was around a lot and then suddenly she wasn't. And it really felt like, oh, we're going to start her new book and I have my thing I'm doing. So I need you to just kind of leave her alone. Yeah, um, right. And she, her absence was really noticed in that book, I thought. Um, and so I'll, I'll be glad to see them kind of open up a little bit to Jessica Jones and Miles Morales and, and even Riri, who I, I think has been... In other books as well, but just, I don't know. I, I'm with you guys. Just really see what other people can do to put their stamp on those characters. And then, you know, as far as going to DC, I think, Georgie, I didn't think of this, but your Nightwing idea is really good. I would also love to see one character I've always thought that looked really cool, and I always give him a try when someone new takes over just to see if it's any good, and I never like it. <laughs> I think Bendis can maybe do it. He can maybe sell me, finally, on a Deathstroke book. And so I'd love to see him take a crack at something like that. Um, or, you know, maybe a team that has Deathstroke on it, you know, or kind of with some he other... He does have a team now, right? I think he does. I don't read it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I think he has like a... When the when the FF went to the Future Foundation, I think he has his white and black uniform now. Yeah, yeah, that's what their costumes reminded me of. Yeah, but, but no, I just think it'd be cool to see like a because that can still kind of have a little bit of that real world feel to it that Bendis is so good at. But you know, he can also do like the spy thing, you know, the organized crime. Like, there's so many avenues he could take that character, and I don't know, maybe be too much of a rehash of his other stuff. I feel like. Because Batman, like Tom King's not leaving Batman anytime soon, so I think no. I think the obvious choice of like, oh, it wouldn't be great if he did, Bendis did Detective, you know, maybe doesn't quite the timing's not quite right for that, and I think that's good though because I'd, I'd like to see him maybe. I I think he'll probably eventually have a crack at one of the big three, but I'd like it to be a while. I'd like him to do something else first. Yeah, you're not going to bring Bendis over and not give him like a major character, right? right? There's no. So he will get, uh, you know, uh, Superman or, or Wonder Woman or the Flash. He could be a fun Flash writer. Yeah, I it, can it, see that. It will be interesting to see his uh, Bendis versus uh, some of the like the um, podcast uh, kinds of term. It'll be interesting to see how that sort of like evolves because Bendis is literally crossing over mile often crosses over miles with Jessica and with his other the defenders and stuff like elements happening in one book do actually affect what's going to happen in the other so he has his own little like Marvel continuity I wonder if what will happen there maybe they just clean slate the whole thing they'll just no more Bendis it like a Scarlet Witch and be like nope never happened it's all gone <laughs> so again yeah I also think the timing is good because you know because for a long time, Bendis steered the Marvel ship, and he hasn't in the last few years. He's had his own little corner stake, his corner office, but, I mean, steering the Marvel ship the last few years has really been more of like your Nick Spencer and, and your Jason Aaron. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to kind of, it's, it's a good time for him to kind of take off and do something else, because the ship's I hope he doesn't steal David Marquez. He isn't, David Marquez literally went on Twitter and said that he's not leaving Marvel. Okay, good. Right. So I was just, that was the only thing I actually cared about the most. Just like, no, Marquez can't leave. And then it would have been a beautiful DC book. Um, yes. Oh, yeah, it would have, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, anything else on, on the business nader? I, I hope he uh, hates that. I hope he hears this and tweets me and says, don't ever call me that again. <laughs> All right, well, last but not least, there's a new colored X-Men book uh, coming up. Uh, X-Men. That's a weird way to phrase it. I, yeah, I guess I should probably think of a different... Um, <laughs> that's what the headline on Newsarama said. Get, get after them. Um, <laughs> anyway, X-Men Red is coming up, I believe it said February, so not too far away from yeah. now. Um, 
And I gotta say, really stoked about the creative team. Um, not right. much else. <laughs> so it's Tom Taylor and Mahmoud Azrar, which I think just I love both those guys. So I think that that part is really exciting. Um, I don't care for the fact that it's going to be led by resurrected Jean Grey. I really don't like her new costume. Um, it reminds me, uh, what was that movie in the 90s where uh, Kathy Ireland was the kicker on the NFL team? Oh, right. Um, Unnecessary Roughness? Yes, yeah, yeah. It looks like there's a scene where she like doesn't really have the full uniform on, but she has like her shoulder pads and the jersey and the helmet on. That's kind of what the new costume <laughs> reminds me of. <laughs> this is, I don't know why the shoulder pads are coming back, but um, anyway... Um, so it promises new roster, new location, new attitude or something like that. And, um, really, really trusted creative team. Uh, otherwise kind of just waiting to see what happens. What do you guys think? They had me at that creative team. Yeah. Um, Taylor and as we're together, it's just a perfect combination. Surely. They can't possibly get this wrong, can they? No. Can we at least have one good team book? It, well, it's got to be the best right, right away, right? You know, I mean, all new Wolverine is one of the best books out right now. And... Well, because I'm, I'm, apparently it's going to have new, new mut- actual new mutants. Ah. Like, um, oh. So it's, it's doing the Bender thing of creating his own. Do we think this is where Laura is going to actually end up? I hope so, to a degree at least. Like, because the oh, book needs, they needed Wolverine on one of the books, so. Right. I guess the worry is now that Wolverine, or rather Logan's back, what they're going to do with Laura. So maybe Laura does join the team because Logan takes over the Wolverine book again. Uh, I hope that's not. A shame. But I hope they go with my plan. I'm still still pushing that. <laughs> Young man Logan. Or, yeah, or just Logan. Logan replaces old man Logan and everything else carries on. As is. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Do you think he kills old man Logan like he did in um, in, Age of um, Ultron? Oh, that crossover. Yeah, Age of Ultron, yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so for me, the worry is what's going to happen to young Gene? Because even though that yeah. book has taken a, a slight dip recently, um, it's still like second most enjoyable X-Book that I'm reading. So I've, all the work they, they put into like making Young Jean an enjoyable and like intriguing character to read, I hope they don't just like squash and then when they bring old Jean back. See, I would have, um, if I was the, uh, Marvel, I would have positioned the X-Men's legacy moment in February and reshuffled the entire writing staff, taken... Guggenheim and Burn Off the Books put Hopeless on them and, and Grace instead. Oh, yes. oh, <laughs> and yes. sort of just like, it's been like, right, so we're, we're jettisoning the chaff and basing it with the things that work, but I don't, I don't own Marvel, so. Can you imagine happen. Grace doing a t- like a, just a regular X-Men book? Be, it'd be amazing. It That's would. What it'd be. It'd be so good. But yes, I'm really looking. I, I'm looking forward to, the, to see what the art te- the creative team can do. Um, yeah, I don't care for Gene. 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 At all. At all. Gene. Back with the orange and blue. Right out of that cartoon, almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well. Um, I think, Dan, we're about running on your, your time limit. So, um, yes, I guess we will, we will do some time for plugs. Dan, uh, obviously intercomics podcast, but where else can people find you? And, um, you know, talk about your video you just shared with us. Um, well, you can find me at gizmo fifteen eleven eighty three, and through that you can. I have a YouTube channel apparently, so um, <laughs> I have a video which I wrote a small monologue play. Um, it's only like six minutes long, so just go to my Twitter and and find it when I'm not complaining. People complaining, so it's in there somewhere, um, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So yeah, it's pretty great. A- so go give it a, a watch. Awesome. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, LA Boy Toy. Um, I'd also, not like I need to plug it, but um, you should go see Thor Ragnarok if you have a chance. 
because that was a very fun movie. It and was. It, yeah. And I know this is the X, X book, the Snicked, the Wolverine-centric uh, podcast, even though we didn't really talk much Wolverine this time. <laughs> um, I, I want to highlight uh, the Thor book that's been going on since like 2012 so or whatever. So good. Which, which is, is also Aaron. amazing. That book has been consistently... One of the crazy best. good yeah. for like every issue since Aaron took over. Um, so just read that book and keep supporting that book because it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Amen. One of my favorites, you know, for years and years now. And just the, the consistency of it. It's just. Oh, yeah. Never really dips. And yeah. Yeah. Really curious to see where that goes in the, the next few months. But um, it's exciting, exciting book. So. Yep, well, for the podcast, it goes snicked, <laughs> which is still what we are, um, <laughs> contrary to what this episode may have felt like. Um, you know, you can find us on Facebook, like the Facebook page. Uh, Twitter is at SnickCast, and of course, the website with show notes and stuff is snickcast.podbean.com. So I just really want to thank my uh, lovely cohorts here. Um, you know, it's been a while thank since you. we've been able to get together. and So much know, fun. Yeah, they've been really really patient with me and my schedule and you know and poor georgie had to wake up at the crack of dawn today so just oh, want to yeah. <laughs> just want to give a shout out to them for you know just helping me pull the show together when we can and you know we'll we'll keep doing it so any closing awesome. thoughts guys uh, it's been it's been uh, emotional it's not what i'm supposed to say <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> well, let's all go cry now. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, everybody, uh, hugs and snicks. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And snacked. All right. I'm going to have to...